Today's scripture reading is going to be from uh, James 5, 13 through 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the, na- in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Well, good morning. Oh, come on. After all those games and all that, that's all you can give me is that. Good morning. morning. All right, if you will open up your Bibles to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. That's where we're going to be studying from this morning. And as you're turning there, I want to share a little bit of a story with you. Every summer... Uh, I have a group of friends, and, and we all, we, we mountain bike together, and we, we make a trip. We plan it, we say, we're going to go to this awesome place, and we're going to spend a week together as, as just friends, and we're going to go bike, and we're going to hang out together. And this last year, well, the group of us, we went down to, to, to Park City, Utah. And it's just a beautiful area. I don't know if you've ever been to Park City before, but it's just a gorgeous area. And, and one of the days, we got into our trucks we piled all the bikes into the back of it, and we drove up to the pass in behind Park City, behind all of the ski lodges, up to 10,000 feet. And, and we pulled out our bikes, and, and we got on them, and, and we did what could be the most incredible ride that you could ever do. You, you drop literally 6,000 feet of trail in about, uh, uh, about an eight-mile stretch. And you're going through trees, and you're going over rocks, and it's just a fantastic, incredible time. And, and we did this trail, and it was an amazing day, and, and we came to a junction near the end of our ride. And you could see the lodges down below us, and where we were staying was right there, and we came to it. And, and the day before, I had ridden in that area. So I thought, I thought, yeah, I know my way. And so I said, and we said, should we go left or we should go right? And I was certain we should go left. And so we did. And, I, and it was coming down and it was just, there was this jump that we hit and we went over this jump and it was fantastic, it was incredible. And we keep riding and we keep riding. And, I, and this whole time I'm leading this group of guys and I'm like, this isn't looking quite right. And we keep going, we keep going. And they're like, Jim, are you sure we're on the way? Yeah, I'm positive. I'm positive we're going the right way. And we keep going a little bit further, and we keep going a little bit further, and then I'm like, I'm not sure if we're on the right trail. Have you ever done that before? You, you get that sinking feeling that you know that I took a wrong turn somewhere. And, uh, and so we came to, we had to make a decision. What do we do? Uh, do, we, do we keep going? Or do we turn back around and, and get back to where that junction was. And you know what we chose to do? Keep going. 
We're going we're gonna to see this thing to the end, and we're just riding and riding and riding, and we're seeing the entire valley of Park City just keep going below us, and we keep getting further and further and further away from where our destination is going to be. And finally, we're, we're starting to get worried a little bit, and finally we saw some hikers coming this way, and, and we stop and ask them, saying, is, are we on the right track? Yeah, you just keep going this way. You're going to come down, and you'll hit it. And so finally we came to the end of, uh, end of a trail, and we're literally four miles off from where we're supposed to be. And we had to drive. And, and we had one, one guy, and I'm not going to mention his name, but we just sent him to the Czech Republic this last week. <laughs> he was very upset with me. <laughs> but so, so many times in our lives, right, we, we've, we come to a crossroad and we think we know the way. And, and we get down that road and, and we, we come to a sudden realization without our own, within our own personal lives like, I've taken a wrong turn somewhere. And how do I get back? And today as we speak, as we talk through the, the story of Elijah, I want to be able to share with you and say, there are, uh, that God has provided a way for us to be able to come back to him. So if you are in 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to play a little trick on you in a little bit because we have to go back and we have to get some background, right? We have to know what's going on. It's like, how many of you have seen the new Marvel's Endgame movie yet? Right? If you've seen it, all right, raise your hand up high. Uh, if, you, if you, like, went to that movie and you hadn't seen the 20 other movies that they made beforehand, you'd come into that movie completely and totally lost. But if you're a nerd like me, and you love that stuff, you're going to be watching that movie, and you're going to be the person that, as they start showing these scenes, that you make those audible noises when you're trying to choke back tears, when you're sitting next to a bunch of guys who are sitting there trying to choke back tears, you're like, uh, 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 because you don't want everybody to know that you're crying during this movie. If, if, we have to have some background on what's going on here. So, so at this time that Elijah is, is, is having this, this encounter with, with the nation of Israel, 600 years before Joshua entered the land, and, and if you know your Bible very well and you spent your time in Sunday school, you know that they overcame, they, they took over the land and then, and then uh, eventually David became king and from David became Solomon and, and Solomon built the kingdom up to its largest size. It's very, very powerful. And then when Solomon died, you know that, that the kingdom divided in two. Rehoboam led, led the southern kingdom and then Jeroboam led the northern kingdom. And because of what, because of their split as a kingdom, Jeroboam's like, we can't have our people going back down to Jerusalem to worship because their heart is going to be drawn towards them. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up our own worship here in the northern kingdom. And what did he do? He set up idols. He set up golden calves and began the long stream of, of idol worship within the northern kingdom. And every king following him was judged based on what he had done. And it all said they walked 
in the ways of Jeroboam leading their people into sin until you came to a certain king later on whose name was Ahab. And Ahab, the Bible describes, that he did above and beyond anything any of the other ones did. He led their people into deeper, deeper sin. And one of the the biggest sins that he did is that he married the daughter of the Phoenician king, and her name is, how many of you guys know? Jezebel. And at the end of verse 16, I want to take you back there really quick. You, you have this, this passage, and, and it seems kind of random. And if, you ever in, if you're ever in the Bible, and you're reading the Bible, and you see something that says, where in the world does this come from? It's not like the Holy Spirit's just like, I'm just going to chuck this in for no good reason. He's like, there, it's here for a purpose. And it says in, in chapter 16, verse 34, it says, in his days, hail of Bethel, built Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of Abram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of the youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. what What he's trying to do here is that he is trying to bring us back to an event that happened 600 years before. And as we continue to read this story of Elijah and his confrontation with with Ahab, you're going to start to see little snippets of saying, these people have a connection to this story that happened. When when Joshua entered into the land, crossed over over the Jordan River, and they walked around that that city seven for seven days, and on the final day, they walked around, and they blew the trumpets, and the walls came tumbling down, and Joshua said, if anybody tries to rebuild this building again, it is going to cost them the, the lives of their sons. And so as, as we continue on into chapter 17, we have this story. Now Elijah, verse, verse 1, now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before him, who I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. This is guy's got some, got some guts. He just, according to this scripture, he just appears on the screen, on the, on the scene. And he has the, the, the nerve to be able to stand before the king of Israel, the most powerful man in that land, who absolutely loathes and despises everything that he stands for, for what Elijah stands for, and he stands before him and says, unless I say so, this land is not going to see rain. That's a powerful, powerful statement. If we had somebody stand up in front of us today and say this thing is going to happen— if he did it in the beginning of summer, maybe, like, hey, I'm not going to let it rain in Idaho for three months. Well, like, yeah, well, it never rains in Idaho for three months, so it's, it's all good. But he says, it's not going to rain until I say so. Now, is this just him being arrogant, saying, I got all this power? No, because he knows the Bible. He knows what the Word says, and he knows that back in Deuteronomy, it says that if you as a people begin to follow after idols, 
I, the Lord God, am going to cease bringing rain to your land. And the Jews had a term for this. It says that you're binding God to his word. He knows what God's word says, and he knows that God made these promises. And he says, this is what the Lord says, and this is what I'm going to do. And so he does that. And then we only have a half an hour to be able to discuss this passage, so we're going to have to skip over a little bit. But there's an amazing story of how, how God provides and cares for Elijah during this time with crows and widows and, and a lot of awesome things. But we've got to skip over to, to chapter 18, verse 1 in your Bible. And so it says, After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In the third year, saying... All right, it's time to get out there again. Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Verse 2, so Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, and who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And so he goes, and he says, Go to him. And so Elijah on the way finds Obadiah, and Obadiah's like, hey man, you've been gone for three and a half years. The king is completely angry at you. And he's like, go find him. And so Obadiah goes, and he goes and finds, goes and finds Ahab. And as we skip over a few more passages, we have to get to verse 17. Verse 17 says, And when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, it is you, you troubler of Israel. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? I want you to remember that word. Remember that word that I just read. You may have a different translation if you're not out of, out of the English Standard Version. The word limping. And he says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it is Baal, then follow him. Remember how I told you that there's nothing random in the scripture? And we began with that story of Joshua. And if you read that last statement I said, it says, choose who you're going to serve. Quit going between two different opinions. Quit wavering with who you're going to worship. If you choose to serve the Lord, choose to serve the Lord. But if you choose to serve the idols, choose to serve the idols. But this day, remember, choose who you're going to do. Does that remind you of anything? Remember at the end of Joshua's life, he stands before the people of Israel and says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. And he says, for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. When we, when we as a people begin to recognize that we are going down the wrong path, we have to make a decision for our lives. How many of you, you've got to have, have seen this movie? Not, not, it, how many of you, if you've seen The Princess Bride? Oh, there's a lot more hands going up for those. There's like three sacraments in the church. You got baptism, you have, you have communion, and you have watching the princess bride, right? I mean, if you're a Christian, you have to do these things. 
If you remember the story, right, the Dread Pirate Roberts is chasing after Princess Buttercup, and you've got the three, you've got Inigo Montoya, kill my father, prepare to die, you know that guy? You, you have the giant Fezzik, right? And he's his friend. He's the muscle. He's the big guy. And then you have the Sini, who's the brains, the intellect. And, and if you know the story, like all three of them fail in, 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 ca- in their capturing of the princess and the dread pirate Roberts, Wesley, brings her back. And they're, all three of them are defeated. And as the story goes along, you see... You see uh, Anigo in his, in his camp. And, and Fezzik is, has been looking for him, looking for him, looking for him, until finally he comes up and he finds him in the camp. And Anigo Montoya says to him this. Vecini said what? He said, he told me to go back to the beginning. Can I get my first slide up here really quick? we have to be willing to go back to the beginning. If, if, how many of you remember the time that, that you, you trusted Christ in your life? Maybe you were a little kid in Sunday school. Maybe you were an adult. How many of you have an opportunity to, to think back and reflect on those times when, when God got a hold of you and God touched your life? Maybe you were a teenager and you were at camp and you, you accepted Christ as a little kid, but you had that, that awesome experience where God just absolutely got a hold of your life and you, you, you were up on that mountaintop and you threw your, your stick in the fire and you said, from this day forward, I promise, I swear, I am going to follow what God wants me to do. <laughs> But we all know, right, that kind of fire, that fire kind of passion begins to fade a little bit. It's important for you to remember your story. It's important for you to be able to tell your story. It's like what Jesus said when, he, when he's writing his book to, to, to the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. He says all these amazing things that the, the church is doing. But he says to him. I have this against you is that you have forgotten your first love. You are doing all of the right things, but your heart's not into it. Go back to the beginning and begin there. We have to be willing to turn around and think about going back to the beginning. And so as we move on, the story, story continues. We're going to repeat verse 21 again. It says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord to God, follow him. But if his bow, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. They were silent. They were unwilling to make a decision for him that day. And so he says, I, even I, only am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of my God. And the God who answers by fire, he is God." And all the people answered, it is well spoken. He's laying down the ground here for, for this, this competition. And he says to him, this is the way that we're going to work it, guys. I'm going to give you every single advantage that you need. I'm only one. 
you have 450 people. And not only that, you have one to 450, but the, the idol that they had crafted to, to, to represent their God was a bull. So he says, we're, we're, we're going to give a bull here, and we're going to do that. And you know, what, you know what the power that they said their idol had? It had the power of lightning in the heavens. So not only, we're going to choose his perfect weapon. And not only that, I'm going to let you go first. And so he does. He lets them go first. All right. So it says in verse 25, Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. So they keep repeating this prayer over and over and over again for at least three hours. They keep saying the same prayer over and over again. But there was no voice and no one answered. Nothing's happening. You remember earlier I told you to remember that word? What was that word? Limped. (laughs) When no answer came and they limped around the altar that they had made. I know a thing or two about limping. <laughs> um, I say that in my life, I average about every three years between emergency room visits. Um, and I, if you don't know, if you saw me the last couple weeks, you know that I've been walking around with, a, with, a, with my arm in a sling uh, because I separated my shoulder three weeks ago, uh, mountain biking. And the reason why I did it was because I had to be number one. I had to be first. And so what I decided to do is I decided to go off trail and, and, and get off the path that was chosen, that was firm, and I decided to go off to where the mud was so that I could get around it. And I, I went off of it, and I, came, and I came back onto the trail, and I ended up in, in the emergency room <laughs> later on that day. That's what happens to my body when I'm, I'm limping physically. And when I was, in the, it was, it was in the doctor's office, I had blood coming down my elbow and I had scrapes down my leg. I had dirt in my hair. And another, a little boy was there with his mom and he looks at me and he says, does that hurt? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy, it hurts. Um, it, it hurt really bad. But you know what? What is it that causes us to begin, you know, our walk limping away from God? And, and, and my definition of what idol worship is for us today, we don't have statues in our houses. But an idol in our lives could be anything, a noun, a person, place, or thing. Anything that causes us to find our satisfaction in life other than God. Anything that we have in our life that we can put forth that says, I am going to find worth and value in this thing apart from the God who gives ultimate meaning and ultimate purpose and ultimate value. And I remember back in this story in Genesis, and you have, you have Jacob, right? Right? And and if you know the story of Jacob, he spent his entire life 
trying to achieve the promise that God gave him before he was even born. He spent his entire life trying to achieve that purpose that, that God had given him, not by the way that God had intended, but trying to do it all on his own. By him stealing birthrights, by him manipulating calves and goats, trying in some way to get ahead in his life. And finally, when he had driven a wedge between his, his entire family, he had, he had separated himself from his brother. He, had, he had, had to run away from his father. He had to run away from the love of his mother. He, he goes into a distant land, and after 14 years, he finally has to sever relationships and ties with his father-in-law and has to bring his family, and he's got to move away from there again. And on his way back to where he called home, not knowing if he's going to be able to, to even go back there because of the anger that he believes that his brother still has for him. On the way, the angel of the Lord appears. Jesus Christ appears to him, and they struggle all night long. Symbolic of the struggle that he'd been having with God his entire life. And as they had wrestled all that night, and when, when the Bible says, when the Lord saw that he was not going to prevail against him, he was not going to quit struggling with him, it says he took his hand and he touched his hip and put it out of socket. And, and, and if you read in that story in Genesis, it says that he walked away from that encounter with God and he was limping. What is it that you are struggling with God right now? Can I get my next slide? We have to commit to walk the path that God has laid out for us. Stop fighting against him. We have to be willing to stay on that firm, level ground that he has placed beforehand and follow and trust in what he has in the word for us, what he has in counsel for us. We have to be willing to walk that path. And so we have to continue back into our story so we can wrap this up. All right, so, so they limped around. They, they, they had the opportunity to say, you know what, this God that we have been worshiping is not doing it for us. But instead of turning to Elijah and saying, we have sinned, we are doing wrong, they doubled down on it and said, and at noon Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud! For he, if he is, for he is a God, either he is musing, <laughs> this is, and he is relieving himself. Remember how long they were praying for? Three hours? Maybe he's going to the bathroom. I didn't know they had smartphones back then. Or, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. I'm not sure if ridicule evangelism is, is the best way that we should go right now. I'm not sure if making fun of people is, is the way that we should bring people towards Christ, but sometimes we sure feel like it when we see the, the way that our world is going and we just scratch our heads and say, what are they doing? But in verse 20 it says, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And at, as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones. Where did 12 stones come from? Remember Joshua crossed the river, placed the 12 stones. According to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar at the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seahs of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. What have they been going through for the past three and a half years? A drought. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. And he's saying, dump water on this thing? That might make some people a little bit angry, but he's saying, just keep pouring water on it. And at at the time of the offering, the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant and that I have done these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. God wants your heart. He wants you to say to him, God, here it is. I want you to have, I, I, I don't just want to give you my actions. I don't want to just give you my words. I want to give you my heart. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Way back then, they had an opportunity to say, no, I I, I understand that God is God and I'm not going to worship Baal. But they hardened their heart and they said, we're going to do this anyways. And it ultimately resulted in their downfall. Verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up. After all this had happened, Elijah confronts Ahab again. And he says, Go up. Eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. <laughs> this is awesome. He goes up to the king and says, hey, go grab a bite to eat. Because you know what I hear? I hear the sound of the rushing of rain. The sky is bright blue, not a cloud in the sky. But know what I hear? I hear rain. Ahab must be looking at him like this dude is crazy. He hears rain. But you know what he does? He goes and gets something to eat. Ahab says, I am going to follow and obey what Elijah has to say. Very bold. Very bold. Three times he confronts the king at the very beginning and says, it is not going to rain. Then he, with a simple prayer, calls down fire from heaven. And finally, for this third time, he says to him, go and eat because guess what? I hear the rain coming. It's on its way. Bold, 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 standing up for what is right, and he's standing up for the God of the universe. But, it, but I want to look right here and say, you know what? It wasn't 
just him being bold in front of, in the face of, of difficulty. In verse 42, it says, So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up, look towards the sea. Elijah wasn't bold because of, because of anything that was bold within him. He was bold because he was willing to humble himself before the creator of the entire universe and be a man who prayed. And if we're going to stand tall in this life, we must be people who are willing to humble ourselves and bow down. We have to be willing to say, you know what, God? It is not about me. It is not about the strength that I find within me. It's completely and totally about who you are and what you want to have done in my life. So I am willing to kneel down and I am willing to put my head between my legs and pray and pray and pray and pray. And even though, God, I know you have said you are going to make it rain, I am still going to pray again until I see you answer that prayer. And God answered that prayer because, a man, because Elijah was a humble man. And if we want to be the people that God wants us to be, if you are a parent and you want to be the parent that God wants you to be. If you're a grandparent, you want to be the kind of grandparent that God wants you to be. If you want to be a witness for Jesus Christ in an amazing way, if you want to do awesome things for him, you have to be willing to humble yourself before God and look to him for strength. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to go back to the beginning? Are you willing to walk the firm path that God has laid out before you? And are you willing to humble yourself before him? God in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for just your, your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the, the example of Elijah. That he was a bold, strong man who called your people back to you, but he was a man who was willing to bow down and be a man of complete prayer. And help us, to, help us God, to be those same kind of people. Lord God, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.